0: Welcome to Mercy Culture Church. It's so good to have you all here with us this morning. This morning we're gonna do things a little bit differently today. How many of you have enjoyed the presence of the Lord in the place today? His presence is here. He's here week after week. Look at your neighbor say it's like this every week. It really and truly is. Uh, my name is Les. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Culture Waco. And uh, this morning, we're we're doing things a little bit differently. Every now and then, there's a word that is released at our Fort Worth campus that I feel like God is releasing to Waco as well. And so from time to time, for those of you that don't know, Mercy Culture is one church in multiple locations. So we have a house in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, the founders of Mercy Culture in Fort Worth Pastor Landon and Pastor Heather shot pastor of the church there in Fort Worth and Pastor Heather delivered a message a couple of weeks ago That I know is a prophetic declaration for this house as well And so this morning, I want you to lock in with me We're gonna watch this video and when we get into our new building, which is coming soon. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord if You don't know this is our temporary location We're remodeling the building right outside those doors. We'll be in and just, you know, as soon as they get done. (laughs) Praise the Lord. When we get in there, we'll have a better setup for us to watch it. But I just want us to hone in because this is not just a message today. There's a prophetic declaration and there is a spirit of deliverance in the room. So I want everybody to just bow your head and close your eyes. If you would, would just begin to pray in your heavenly language with me. We're not prophesying in tongues. The Bible says that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. And when we pray in our heavenly language, that we pray the mysteries of heaven. We pray things that we could never know. We pray the perfect will of the Father. in my daily encounter, I just kept seeing wave after wave after wave of God's glory pouring over us today. That the waves of his glory would move from first service to second service. That the waves of his glory would never stop if you've ever stood on the beach and you've looked at the ocean. It's just wave after wave after wave it's just never ending so father send waves of your glory that even as we watch this message this morning as this message is playing on video just send wave after wave of your glory as pastor heather is preaching this morning i pray that in the midst of this video message that people would be delivered and set free god we thank you that there is no time There is no distance. There is no space in the Spirit. So, Even though this message was preached weeks ago in Fort Worth, it was intended for today, for us, for those of us that are in this room this morning. So, Father, we receive. Just tell them, say, I receive today. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, there are times as a pastor that um, I really don't know what to do. And last week, just keep playing. Last week, we had worship for like seven hours if you weren't here last week. How many were here last week? It was uh, wild. And we started service and then it just didn't end. And then we went on and I dismissed like four times and the worship team was like, forget you. And they just swapped out a new worship team and just kept going. I'm like, go get your kids. I don't know what to do. And I feel that same spirit in this room this morning. And we could just lay here in his presence for the next, Lord only knows how long, but there's a word that he wants to deliver to us today. And the spirit of deliverance is in this room. So whatever it is that you may feel bound by, some of us may even feel I felt in my spirit a a spirit of heaviness this morning, just like some people have been contending for joy, and as this message is preached, God is going to reveal things to you, and at the end, we're going to have a ministry moment, and people are going to be set free and delivered and healed today. People are going to be healed of sickness and disease. People are going to be healed of mental and spiritual struggles. Marriages are gonna be restored and healed. Bodies are gonna be healed and spiritual wounds of our city will be healed this morning. Mercy culture, we, our vision is to take people from corporate encounters with God like this to daily personal encounters with God. It means we don't become addicted to corporate encounters. When I was growing up in church, everything about church was come to church. I just saw this clip that reminded me of some messages I heard this week. Somebody posted on social media this pastor just really just excoriating his congregation because some of them missed Wednesday night service to take their kids to their baseball game or something. I mean, he was just going after it. And uh, I know where it comes from. I know where it comes from. It's a a heart to have people encounter the presence of the Lord, but God wants to encounter you every day. He wants to encounter you in your car. He wants to encounter you in your home. He wants a daily personal encounter with you. And if you have to come to church to encounter God, you will not make it. I've been doing this a long time. I've been there. Some of you know my testimony. I've been there. I was in ministry. I was leading worship with my wife every Sunday of the world. Three, time, three Sunday services and one Saturday night and a Wednesday night. and Preaching and ministering and my heart began to grow cold. I was separated from the Lord. And winds came and the storm came and I was hurt by people. And I separated myself from God. There was a season in the wilderness and it's because I was looking to the church for my relationship instead of looking to the Lord Jesus and encountering Him every day. We want to help you to learn how you best encounter the Lord. There are many ways to encounter God. If you want more information on that, text the word CONNECT. To five we'll send that information back to you we want to disciple you to connect with god every day but without further ado we're gonna go to this video message pastor heather just jumps right in with a warning for us so let's tune in and let's watch together and be involved this morning
1: all right a couple of quick warnings the beginning of this message, I'm going to have pretty graphic picture, a, a graphic image that's going to go on the screen. If you have little ones in the room that you have not begun to have discussions with of what is taking place of the wickedness and sin in our world, it might be a good time that you either take them out real quick or that you just have them cover their eyes. You cover their eyes. It'll be up on the screen for just a minute. Uh, I do want to give you that warning. I also want to Um, really encourage you to even right now begin to shift your heart to receive for an expectation of what God is going to do today. I believe that this message of what I'm about to really minister and prophetically release over you is going to prepare you for the altar ministry time. And so I just encourage you even now to just make your heart tender, begin to submit your heart uh, to the ways of the Lord. Uh, You can text notes to the number that's on the screen and we will be in Exodus 13, verse three through nine. It says this, and Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Say bondage. For by strength of the hand of the Lord, say dunamis. dunamis, he brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten, and on this day you are going out in the month of Abib, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall keep the service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days and no leavened bread shall be seen among you nor shall leaven be seen among you in all of your quarters. And you shall tell your son in that day saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up out of Egypt or the house of bondage. It shall be a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth for with a strong hand say, The Lord has brought you out of Egypt or has brought you out of bondage. I heard the Lord say for this Sunday, the enemy is obsessed with bondage, but I am obsessed with freedom. So what is bondage? Bondage is the state of being bound. It is a condition of being under restraint or restraint of personal liberty by compulsion, involuntary servitude, slavery, or captivity. In fact, the Hebrew word for the word bondage is duleah. It means this, it is the power of physical corruption as against the freedom of life, the power of fear as over against the confidence of Christian faith. And especially it is the bondage of ceremonial and institutional salvation, uh, which is painfully observed, which means power of of religion as contrasted with the freedom of the sons of God emancipated by faith in Jesus Christ. So bondage is the power of physical corruption, the power of fear and the power of religion. I believe, church, that we are living in a time and day that our world is flaunting bondage. It is flaunting perversity and immorality at its worst. Sexual immorality, not just in orgies with men and men and women and with women and women, but changing their body parts, mutilating their bodies to try to form and alter a different creation other than what our heavenly father created. They are distorting his image to magnify Satan in their life to discredit for his wonderful work and abuse the temples of God that we were meant to be. And now they're taking it further to not just desire sick and perverted distortions of God's creation, but now come after God's most innocent creation, our children. Children aren't just sold for sex in the dark realm of human trafficking anymore. This is what I warned of years ago when I said watch. Their solution to end human trafficking will be to make it a legal and approved sexuality to desire children that they were born that way. They will sexualize our children. They will make them crave sexual encounters by shows, media, social media, and education. So if it's a legalized sexuality that people were born that way, desiring sexual relations with children, and our children are being over-sexualized, then they know it's game over. They have our children. They have the next generation. And what do you do when you go to the police because your 10-year-old daughter says that she wants to be with a 45-year-old man or multiple, and the police says we can do nothing about it? Our culture is ruling through the spirit of bondage right now. They are after our kids worship, after their bodies, after their souls, and they won't stop until they have the next generation running into bondage, desiring bondage. That's the world's plan right now is to have your child, is to have the next generation running into the chains of bondage. I was sitting in a service, Sunday morning service, just like this, this last November, and I heard the Lord say, the enemy is obsessed with bondage. We are in a time right now, church, that the, the obsession of bondage is upon us. And in that moment, I begin to see a flash of all of these images, like what's about to go on the screen right now for your children's eyes. I began to see a flash of all of these images run through my mind from actresses and singers and politicians, the influential. One of these images is an actress and on her office wall is a piece of artwork of a naked child in a a box as a piece of art. See, what they're trying to do is make bondage look desiring cool to brainwash the next generation into wanting and desiring bondage. But let me tell you what the Bible says about the times that we are in right now. I believe that this portion of scripture is prophesying into the moment and time that we are in. It is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse two through 22. It says many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemy. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to the chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, when seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormented for his righteousness soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and that he heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from chaos and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Are you listening, church? Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blasphemy the glorious ones. Whereas angels, through greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children forsaking the right way. They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. Listen to verse 19. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, bondage. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, listen, church, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first, for it would have been better for them to never have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to a wallow in the mire. Church, not only does this portion of scripture describe what is coming to those leading and influencing in this perversity, in this bondage, but I believe that this is a warning for us. This is a warning for the church to not become entrapped or entangled in the world's ways. For this scripture says, it would be better for you or for them to have never have known the right way, to have never have known Jesus, to have never have known truth and to know it and to turn your back on it and to follow in the world's ways. This is a warning I believe for these times as we are flooded with everything around us in perversity, the news, shows, social media, everywhere that we go, that this is the time, this is the age, this is freedom for these types of people, that if we begin to get entangled in what the father of lies is putting out as truth, the Bible says it is far greater for us to fall away from knowing the truth and to have never have known him. Can we just pray right now? Lord, I just pray right now. I thank you that your Holy Spirit first is here. I pray that you would open ears. Spiritual ears would begin to open right now in this moment. Spiritual eyes would begin to open. Hearts would soften, oh God and I pray would receive this word that you have for us today. Lord, I thank you that no other spirit has any authority in this place today. I declare your Holy Spirit, the Son Jesus who sets free his ruling and reigning in this room. And I declare any other spirit, but the Holy Spirit has to go in the name of Jesus. I declare that you would come in a jealous way for your sons and daughters to grab a hold of their minds, their hearts, their their marriages, their children, their families, everything of who they are. Lord, even right now, we just submit ourselves. We draw our attention to you, Father. We draw our attention to you, Yahweh, and we declare your way, not our way, your ways your mind, your righteousness, not our own, which is filthy rags. We declare, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening this morning. Father, I thank you that hearts right now are tender for what you're about to do in our lives. Lord, we declare the spirit of freedom and deliverance have your way today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let us go back to our opening scripture. Exodus 13, three, and Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength or deutimous power, the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place. One of our connect with God ways is remembrance. And Moses in this, Uh, portion of scripture is actually calling the people to begin to encounter God through remembrance. Remembrance is so powerful, remembering what God has done for us prior, and not just to testify uh, in setting others free, but here's the thing. The Lord knows that temptation or other battles are coming your way. Just like for the Israelites, they were delivered or set free out of Egypt, but the Lord knew that there was more battles to come. So he had Moses begin to lead the people to to remember what God had already done in delivering them out of bondage so that when the next moment, when the enemy came to war against them and when the enemy would begin to speak to his people, saying, oh, I guess God didn't really deliver you. I guess that was just an emotional moment in that church service when you thought God healed you, when you thought God set you free in your mind, when you thought God set you free from that, when you thought God set you free from that addiction and it was gonna, it was gonna be gone forever, and now look at this temptation. God didn't really deliver you. But when we walk in encountering God in remembrance, what we get to do in responding to that demonic lie and voice is no, no, no. God delivered me once and God is gonna deliver me again. And then he's gonna deliver me again and he's gonna deliver me again. And every time that that lie, every time that that temptation comes trying to slither its way back at me, God, I remember what you did setting me free out of that bondage, setting me free out of Egypt, and you'll do it again. Do you believe he will do it again? So the Feast of Unleavened Bread was to teach the Israelites to remember what God had done. Moses said, no leavened bread shall be eaten and not only did he say no leavened bread shall not be eaten he actually said you're going to go throughout your house and you're going to clear out all of the leaven out of your this portion of scripture says quarters but it means out of your house out of your businesses out of your schools And so what they would do every time that the Feast of Unleavened Bread came is they would wait until the night before. They would purposely wait for when darkness came, and they would take this candle, this light, and they would begin to go through every single part of that house. Shining that light into every single corner of that kitchen, of that pantry, of their bedroom. In fact, if you study it, they they went through every single corner on purpose just in case they left that leavened bread the day before on, on, on on a table by their bedside or they dropped a crumb. They would make sure that the leaven was completely gone from their presence, not just in their household, but where they spent their days, in their businesses, in their schools. Everybody in the entire place began to remove the leaven. And they said, if you did not, you were literally cut off from the Israelites. Well, the word of God says that leaven represents sin, and wickedness. The Lord had them. It wasn't about just refraining from leavened bread. He said, now, these seven days, now is the time you are to search everywhere, every relationship, every part of your household where the leaven or the wickedness or the sin can get in. Because this is the thing about leaven you just need a little tiny bit, that little tiny bit that begins to work its way into that loaf. It actually, that leaven will spread throughout the whole loaf and do what we call a puff up. It will begin to puff up that loaf, which represents pride. The Lord said... This is why I have you search for every crumb, to get the leaven, to get the sin, to get the wickedness, to get the world's ways out. I believe that the Lord is saying to the church, in this hour, have we done our due diligence In searching that way with the light of Jesus, with the deutimous power of God, searching our minds, searching our hearts, searching our marriages, searching our lives for the offense, for the unforgiveness, for the pride, for the bitterness, saying, Church, you think that that's a small sin. You pay attention to the big sins and you point out the big sins in others, but you have forgotten the little leaven that you have allowed in that is corrupting all of you. See, pride is the open door for bondage, but humility is the open door for freedom. 1 Corinthians 5:6 through 8 says this: Your boasting is not good. Do you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity, which is purity and truth. So who does the word of God call the truth and the bread of life? Talk to me. Jesus, let's go to John 6, 22 through 40. It's titled this, I am the bread of life. In verse 22, on the next day, the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Then they began to testify that Moses led them to eat manna in the wilderness. But Jesus replies back, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus declared to them, I am the bread of life. And this is why he told the Israelites, Keep yourself from the unleavened bread for seven days. Feast on me, but you cannot have me and your sin you cannot have me and your 11 so I need you to take like a like a seven day or a 40 day fast I need you to set yourself apart seven actually means this the number of perfection and completion and exoneration and healing exoneration means this to relieve of a responsibility obligation or hardship to completely clear from accusation and blame the Lord was saying I need you You to take a time period where you set yourself apart where you remove the leaven, where you remove the sin, and then watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to exonerate you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to relieve you of that shame, of that accusation from the enemy, and I'm going to begin to set new patterns in you. I'm about to set you a freedom. Walk with me and walk through this thing with you. Oh, because bondage is not the end-all with our King. He's obsessed with setting his people free. Oh, I believe the Lord is, is waiting to come back for his bride until he has a bride that craves the bread of Jesus. Craves this unleavened bread, this life without sin, this free life that he paid the price for. Hmm. Exodus 13, 17 through 18. Let me say this. The Lord is obsessed with setting you free, church. Why would you not have your eyes set on freedom? Why would you settle? Why would you settle for the addiction, the temptation, the the, the mental war, the, the suicidal thoughts, the, the provoking, nagging irritations of the enemy? Why would you settle and believe? that the truth over you is that you're going to struggle with that thing your entire life, that you're going to be bound with that thing your entire life. Those are the words of the enemy. And do you know he has given you a weapon of joy and of laughter? He has given you, church, a weapon of joy and of laughter that every single time those lies and those temptations come, you do not have to submit to those temptations any longer. It's in those moments where all of a sudden you begin to laugh in the face of your enemy and the dunamis power of God comes over you, it's in that moment you begin to shut up, you begin to stir yourself up in the Lord, you begin to edify yourself, and all of a sudden, whoo, where did that temptation go? Where did that false power from the enemy go? He comes, and the enemy has to flee. Come on, we are not serving and walking out of weak Christianity any longer. He has given his tremendous power to a church for such a time as this. He did not give his life, church, for you to walk in bondage, for you to walk in sin, for you to walk in addiction. He gave his life for you to walk in freedom. Oh, it's deliverance day today is deliverance day can I tell you that he is walking in freedom with you even when it looks like he's not the enemy comes in he tries to whisper and tell you God's not with you where is he right now He said he was gonna free you. He said he set you free. Why can't you feel? Why don't you hear him? Where is he? And the enemy comes to taunt you as if your God is not with you. He has never left you. He has never forsaken you. He is walking you through this freedom course. Look at this Exodus 13, 17 through 18. It is titled this, The Wilderness Way. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Although it was near, although it was closer, although if we were GPSing it on our phone, we would take the quickest route, although it was the near route, God didn't take them that route. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt or return to their bondage. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. See, some of you right now, You are in a freedom route with the Holy Spirit and you think because it's taking longer than what you thought that God isn't with you that God doesn't know what he's doing you think because it hasn't been your route or your way or what you expected that God isn't walking with you anymore but let me tell you he said no it's the wilderness way this is the way to freedom and even though the war was the other way I'm so excited to show up to my sons and daughters because what they don't know is i already have a plan for the red sea i already have a plan for when the egyptians and bondage tries calling their name i already have an easy route planned oh see some of you are in that place right now You are in that place in between your past trying to call your name, in between that bondage trying to call back that's marching your route. Just like those Egyptians, they can see it closing in. And then on the other side, there's a giant body of water and you have the Israelites that begin to shake in their boots thinking, God, why have you forsaken us? This feels hard, not easy. And some of you are in that place where you hear the temptation of your past, the hard things coming your way, and you see something on the other side that says, how in the world am I getting through this? And the temptation is to begin to curse what God said would be easy. Oh, but my pastor prophesied a conference. It was going to be easy. This doesn't feel easy. That's because you don't know the mind and heart of the Lord. And your job is not to know and not to understand everything that God is doing. Your job is to trust God. Your job is to be faithful, that even when in the natural, it looks like it's not going your way. In the natural, it seems hard to trust that his way is gonna be easy. Because can I tell you, can you imagine all of heaven, the the angels with the Lord up there watching down in this tension place, the Egyptians coming in their, their iron chariots, and the Red Sea, and the Israelites begin to quiver, and the Lord's like, Watch this, you think a body of water is gonna stop me? You think the Egyptians that I already set you free from is gonna stop me? Do you already know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, it is not to harm you. It is not to forsake, but it is to prosper you. Oh, the Lord was like, watch this. They're going to see how great I am in just a second, how great the wilderness way is when I'm about to part this Red Sea, when they're about to see a sign and a wonder like they've never seen before. Then they'll declare Yahweh is great. And guess what? They're going to easily walk through on that dry ground church do you trust him do you trust him because the bible says that god knew when they saw war that they would turn around and run back into bondage there's a war going on in our nation right now there's a war that's happening in the spiritual realm right now we are in a war And I want to know, church, do you trust him or do you run when it gets hard? Do you run when your past comes calling you, when temptation, when wars and battles come to your family? Is the temptation to curse this freedom route, this freedom journey that God has taken me on, or is it, God, I trust you? God, I trust you. I believe your trust in God is being tested in this hour. Will you run when war comes? Do you trust him with his route and his plans for your life when it doesn't make sense in the natural? When it feels like your bondage is coming back for you, do you submit to your bondage? Or do you submit, submit to the freedom ringer? Who do you submit? What voice when it comes your way do you submit yourself to? Do you curse the freedom course that God has put in front of you? Do you trust him, church? Exodus 14, 10 through 12. This is the Red Sea crossing. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them so that they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to their leader, Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is, not, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, or let us alone that we may stay in our bondage? For it would have been better to, for us to serve the Egyptians. It would have been better, they were saying, for us to serve in bondage than that we should die in the wilderness. See, the battle came, and they began to cry out for their bondage again. Christians, this is us too often, that when it gets hard, when it's not our way, we begin to be tempted with running back running back to our old ways running back to that old city running back to that old position running back instead of expanding territory for the kingdom of heaven trusting god with the route he's placed within us galatians 5 7 through 9 13 says this you were running so well who hindered you from obeying the truth This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I ask you today, church, who hindered you from obeying the truth? (sighs) What leaven got in? What teaching that wasn't sound doctrine caught in? What YouTube preacher preaching from a mirror Bible? Some other man's interpretation of God's Word has taken you another route and planted leaven in you that all of a sudden begins to shake you in your faith. Or you think in pride that you have never been stronger in your faith and no longer do you need leadership to lead and guide you. You have it on your own. That puff up of pride, that leaven comes in, what? To bring you back into bondage. Galatians 2.4 says, and this occurred because of false false brethren or false believers secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage. Do you know that there are demonic spirits that are sent on assignment to you? Get that deception in. Plant this seed of doubt. Plant this seed of unsubmission. Plant this seed of offense. See, it will come any possible route. It's wild we are living in an era where screens that are ran by Jezebel are in our faces consistently. The screens that are in front of your face and the next generation's face is not ran ever by godly men. None of it is. Yet we are consuming it more than the word, more than the bread of life, more than what God had said. This word, you're supposed to eat it. You're supposed to digest it. It's supposed to fill you. I'm telling you, If Jesus was in the flesh warning the people that deception and bondage is in front of you and they could not see it, how much more susceptible to to bondage and to deception are we? In fact, we see it through coming in bondage, through deception in John 8, 31 through 38. We love the title of this portion of scripture, and then we stop there. It's titled, The Truth Will Set You Free, but let me tell you what Jesus was talking about in this portion of scripture. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, Then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Church, it says, if you abide in my word, you will be free. If you don't know the word, or you are being led astray by false prophets or friends that are being led by other false words, how in the world are you going to be set free? Is it possible that you could be walking in bondage without even knowing it? This is what Jesus was warning of. You must abide in my word and the truth will set you free. And this is how they answered him. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They didn't get that they were in bondage or enslaved. They thought because they were the bloodline of Abraham that they were automatically free because they could not see the physical effects of slavery on them. Jesus is standing in front of them, trying to warn them of how they must be set free. And they are arrogantly responding back to him, almost mocking, saying, what are you talking about? Do you see chains on me? I have never been in bondage. I have never been in chains before. In fact, I am from the righteous seed. I am from Abraham the father. So many of us, we're about to go deep here, okay? Can we go deep? This is our response so often sitting in these church pews. But I was married a virgin, and I've been with one person my whole life. Surely I'm not in bondage. I did it the righteous and the holy way. (sighs) Pride arrogance, but I have served in the house of God since I was little. How could I be in bondage? But I gave my life to the Lord when I was a child. I've been tithing since I was a kid. I've come to church my whole life. How could I be in bondage? But I'm a minister. I'm a pastor, an evangelist. How how can I be deceived? I'm the leader of my household, the head of my house. How could I be deceived? Oh, but can I tell you, church— You are afraid in public to declare who your heavenly father is. What truth truly is on social media, on Facebook. Oh, I think I'm gonna stick to the encouraging scriptures to make sure I get some more followers. I'm gonna stay away from those scriptures over here so that I don't lose any followers. You are offended by the hard things that must be said so that the sheep are not sent to the slaughter. You are offended with the whole word of God being preached. You are offended with the church standing for heaven's justice and taking that government mountain. Why do they have to talk about abortion? All Why do they gotta talk about slavery and tra- Can't they just stick to ministry stuff? Why do they gotta talk about homosexuality and what's happening in the world? When I come to church, I just wanna hear the church lingo stuff. And this is how deception begins to open that door to us walking in bondage arrogantly telling jesus i'm free but our mind is corrupted our hearts are full of pride john 8:34 through 44 says jesus answers them truly truly i say to you Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the sun remains forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are off you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak, he says, of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. He begins to speak to them again when they say, no, Abraham is our father. And he says, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. What I heard from God, this is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did, meaning of the devil. they said to him but we were not born of sexual immorality we have one father even god jesus says again why do you not understand what i say oh i know the answer he says it is because you cannot bear to hear my word see jesus answered the blind fake followers you are not mine i am not your father because you cannot bear to hear my words because you are offended by my words. And your father, the devil, is leading you. You cannot see what I see in you. You cannot see the bondage that is on you that I was, I was sent to set you free. Yet you cannot receive or stand firm in me or the truth because I offend you, said Jesus. I heard the Lord say that we cannot bear his words because we are already bound. That when the hard words, when the hard things come, our flesh our flesh is offended. And instead of leaning into our flesh being persecuted, we begin to defend our flesh. Did you hear what I just said? Let me give you practical advice. When your flesh is offended, God, I praise you. I worship you. Jesus, you gave your flesh on the cross to be completely crucified. Lord, right right now, my flesh is crying out. It is offended. Lord, I lean in and I submit my flesh to you. Finish the work that you're doing. That is our response when our flesh is persecuted, not us beginning to defend our flesh. So maybe our followers, our pastors, our leaders, our friends would begin to what? Follow me in my offense and flesh. We have to be a people that stops defending the persecution of our flesh. I'm gonna go deeper. I'm gonna go deeper into those thoughts, into those mindsets, but Lord, It was just that preacher's tone. I don't like that he said it. If you would have said it to me, it would have been different Then I could have received it, but not from that preacher. But I can't receive from your leaders you sent into my life to rebuke me, to challenge me. I wanna be set free by you, Jesus. The Israelites did this with Moses. Who did you send us? They began to persecute Moses and his route and his ways, even though Moses was hearing directly from God to lead them into freedom, to lead them into a promised land. They were offended by God's words through Moses. But it was the way that he said it on social media. Why did he have to say it like that? I didn't feel it was loving. This is where that leaven begins to creep in because we don't daily put our flesh on that cross. Oh, I don't wanna be uncomfortable. Don't say the word change to me, I'm just fine. I've done a lot better than what I used to do. And we, we argue over keeping ourselves in a place of complacency or a place of bondage. Can you imagine getting into his presence one day, face to face with God, trying to justify your offense trying to justify your fear of man, your allegiance to your culture, to your family culture, values and beliefs, to the one that said, leave it all and follow me. Leave the business, leave the bank accounts, leave the house, leave the cars. I'm going to offend your flesh so greatly to see if you mean what you really say, that you want to follow after me. And it's in this question when he begins to say to us that all of a sudden our flesh is persecuted because we are put in a place. Is our allegiance to our family, cultures, values, race? What our race, what our heritage, what our culture says we have to believe, how to walk, how to vote, what to do. Is my allegiance here? Or Jesus says, will you come and follow me? Will you let it all go? Will you let all the beliefs, all the ways, all the pressures, all the things that you've allowed to be placed on your shoulders, that is mine to carry? And would you follow me? Let me remind you what Jesus said. Jesus said, when his mother and his father, or I'm sorry, his mother and his brothers came to see him, the disciples run in and they say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here to see you. Oh, and another challenging word that we never hear preached in the house of the Lord, because God, how could you say this? He said, Who is my mother and my brothers? Do you want to know who my mother and my brothers are? It is those that are walking with me doing the will of my Father. When was the last response, church, that you said, I will leave it all? I will answer to you, Jesus, that whatever your word, whatever your way says, I will leave it all behind to follow and fulfill, to follow and fulfill the words of the Lord. The will of God. Do you seek it? Do you seek His will? Or are you a slave to this culture, to values and beliefs that you turn every time it tells you you should turn a certain way, vote a certain way, or post a certain way? This square, that square, this square. Come on, is the Holy Spirit, are you his bondservant? Is it his will through you or nothing else? I believe that's the hour we're in where he is calling the body of Christ. We're in our weakness. He is made strong. Lord, I take off my gifts, my ideas, everything, God, what I've done in school, the letters in front of my name. I take it all off to lower myself, Jesus, that I would be a bondservant of your will. This is who Jesus said his family was those that do his will. I believe the church is in an hour when deception is giving its greatest effort. That leaven knows, church, more than you know, a tiny bit has to get in through one crevice, one place, one part of your ear, one part of your eyes, one part of your soul and spirit to corrupt you, to take you out to make you bitter and offended, to get you unsubmitted. He knows it takes a tiny bit of leaven. And that bondage keeps you from freedom, keeps you from joy, from being a part of this end time army that I believe is going to stand against the enemy, that's gonna be a part of preparing a great harvest for him. And you cannot do it from a place of bondage. I believe we are in the times and in the days. I know I'm running out of time. I have to say this. We are in, we are living in times and days that is being written in heaven. I believe if there are future generations, however many future generations, they will talk of the days that we are living in right now, the hour that we are about to walk in next. And I believe there will be people that say, Tell me. Tell me mercy culture. Tell me the stories. What did God do? Tell me about that march. Tell me about that shift. Tell me about that revival service. Tell me about that sign. Tell me about that. Will you testify to me of the hour that you lived in? We are living in that moment which places a bullseye on your back. The enemy wants to wipe you out from you getting to testify of what he is doing in this hour. Bondage partners with deception. It'll come to you through your own deception or it'll come to you through others' deception. I work in the anti-human trafficking realm with survivors. It's such an easy example to share of them being so deceived and not realizing they're in bondage. The majority of, of individuals that are rescued out of human trafficking, when you tell them you are being trafficked, you have been enslaved, you are in bondage, they will look at you like you're crazy. They do not realize they've been in bondage or enslaved. This is how deception comes, to partner with bondage, to get you into a place that if it's right in front of you, if you're operating in it, you cannot see it. Because deception with bondage is blinding. It blinds your sight for what is true. It numbs your soul to discern what is right, what is good and what is holy. It, def- it deafens your spiritual hearing so you cannot hear God's voice, words, and truth. Your spiritual senses are turned off and partnered with the father of lies. This is how deception works to keep you in bondage. Can I even place a warning because it just came up in my, in my spirit but many that have operated in freedom and begin to turn themselves over in bondage because we serve a God that is merciful and full of grace and believing for that individual to shift and turn back to him. There can be a period of time when an individual is in bondage, yet it seems like truth is coming out of them. And if there is not a shift or a change, this is what the Bible is talking about, false teachers or prophets. That I would pray that you would be discerning in this hour to not be misled by not just false prophets and teachers, but friends that walk in that, family members that walk in that, that try to get you to begin a living a Christian life that is really in bondage. So not only is this the temptation of the enemy, but we now live in a world because the church has been sleeping in its bondage. It's being shoved between our marriages, our children, our schools, media, that bondage is desirable, it's an art, it's beautiful, it's freedom. They're serving us bondage as desirable. So what happens, church, when our children start desiring bondage and we have not yet been freed from ours yet? How do we serve our children? How do we serve the next generation and bring the sound of freedom when we are still? She's answering the altar call. He's answering the altar call already. I love it. Lord, I pray for that heart today and everybody in this place. I pray for that heart to run for freedom. I have good news for you. Worship team, come up. The beautiful thing about not knowing how to be set free from your bondage means you can't do it in your own strength. And many of you have been tired, tired of fighting, tired in this fast as your flesh is being persecuted. You feel like you're failing, but it's in that place when you are weak that you stop trying to free your own self in your own strength and you allow Jesus to deliver you. You allow Jesus to set you free. It was over 20 years ago, me, myself, a drug addicted, alcoholic, sexually immoral young woman, living a life as far as possible from Jesus. I wasn't praying for myself. I wasn't believing for myself. In fact, I didn't even know what Jesus could offer. I didn't know that life could be this good and this free. Yet Jesus came in after me A young girl full of bondage, full of demons that came in even in the midst of me trying to do drugs with my friends, and he began to encounter me, deliver me, set me free. Not in my strength, I was in my weakest place, but God easily set me free. Today, I declare over you, it is Deliverance Day. It is the day for the shackles, the chains over your eyes, like Saul that became Paul, to break off for you to see clear, hear, clear. Your heart to not be led by evil, but by the power and presence of God. Uh, do you know that Paul, Who was once Saul, because he was delivered in such a way, set free in such a way, it became the fuel for everything that he did. And in Acts 16, he comes across a slave girl stuck in bondage. And the Bible says he turns to her and tells that demon to come out. He sets her free by the power of God within him. And what was the response of culture? It was an uproar, because culture loved bondage then too. But Paul didn't care. He didn't move, react, minister according to what was happening around him. He set free anyways. He was lit with a fire because he remembered what his God had done for him, and he was lit in such a way that everywhere he went, the freedom of God led him. So what did culture do? Culture threw him in prison, in bondage. As I'm reading and meditating on this scripture, I hear the Holy Spirit say, you can't up what's already bound in me. (laughs) We all know in Acts 16 what began to happen. It says that Paul and Silas aren't trying to figure out how to get those bars down and jimmy something and free themselves. (laughs) No MacGyver moment right there. It says that they just sat, rested, worshiped, prayed, and the Bible says that everybody in that prison, everybody in bondage around them began to hear the worship, began to hear the prayers. And all of a sudden, that prison, it says, was shook. And it was shook in such a way that the bondage of those prison doors, that the shackles on their ankles, that the chains on their wrists, burst open and everybody was set free in that prison. Oh, do you not know how this shows you the heart of your heavenly father? That he wants everyone free. Everyone free from bondage, those chains. He said, this is what I paid for. This is why I went to a cross so that my people would walk in freedom not just in a Christianity religion, but in freedom. Exodus 14, 30 through 31, the end of this portion of scripture says this, so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians or out of bondage. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore Thus Israel saw the great work or the deutimous power which the Lord had done in Egypt so that the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Would you stand to your feet this morning I declare over you today, today is the day that you will be delivered from the house of bondage. Today is the day you will remember that the Lord saved you and set you free. I declare it. Little Levin is about to be exposed. Will you dim the house lights? Just like the Israelites did with the feast of unleavened bread. They went throughout that house. They shone that light. Right now, I want you to not worry about anybody that is around you, not who's standing next to you. You can move around, you can get out of your seat, you can go wherever you want in this room. But what we are about to do is you are about to shine that light that exposes darkness, that exposes leaven. It is called hidden sin for a reason, because it hides under veils that seem righteous. Many of you this morning have been walking in fear, thinking it was wisdom. Oh, I think this is the wisdom of the Lord to make sure we don't go there. We don't do this. We don't pray over there. We don't stop our car in an, un, in, in an unsafe place. We don't pray here. We don't, we don't sow too much here in case this happens in the world. And this is wisdom, surely, that's speaking to protect ourselves. It's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear, church, that comes sounding like what God has called it, Wisdom. His job is to protect you. That's his job. So Lord, I just thank you that right now, would you just close your eyes across this entire room? Close your eyes. That Father, you would begin to reveal the little leaven. I declare, as your sons and daughters begin to search their hearts, oh God, that you would begin to speak, that you would begin to reveal where that pride, where that envy, where that jealousy, where that unforgiveness, where that selfishness, where that arrogance, where that selfish ambition, where that sexual immorality is. even right now would you just begin to ask him Yahweh show me show me reveal to me come on every area of your heart I want you to picture with that candle that you would just begin to go through your mind the thoughts this week were they holy thoughts were they thoughts of righteousness were they his truth or was it lies Was it lies from the father of lies that has been persecuting you, trying to pull you back into an old place of bondage? Come on, right now, would you just begin to ask the Lord, reveal to me, Father, show me, Jesus, what is the hidden sin, what is the leaven? Oh God, we submit ourselves to you right now oh we submit ourselves to you king jesus would you show us the little leaven the little leaven that's trying to get in right now to take us into a place of bondage would you show us the deceitful things that were said to plant seeds of rebellion to plant seeds of discord to plant seeds of unsubmission and of fear oh god would you show and reveal right now
0: come on let's just lift our voices Begin to pray in your heavenly language.